Well, I'm Blood, this is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, Strong and Powerful David Frank. David, are you ready to do this? Let's do it. Let's go. David is a CFA. He is the founder, CEO, and managing partner of Stonehaven, their private capital market markets fintech operating system, collaboration network for investment bankers, placement agents who are working to support companies as well as investors. David, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. George, well, thank you for the opportunity to join you this morning. I'm feeling awesome. Just got in a good workout and uh, ready to do this. So about me on the personal front, just to start there, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, have an awesome family there who still live in Denver Grew up as a big skier, lacrosse player, uh, mountain biker, and uh, then went to University of Michigan, eventually uh, found my way to New York City. And uh, I have two children, uh, Hunter, who's 14, and Lior, who's 11. I'm engaged uh, to Romy, and we're getting married in a month and two days, so very exciting. Nice. Um, yeah. On the professional side, so uh, I've spent almost my entire career building Stonehaven, so I started the firm when I was 23, I'm 45 now. So it's been a long journey, many chapters. Uh, early on in my career, I focused on raising capital and executing mandates for uh, various asset management firms and corporates, and then eventually evolved to building teams uh, to go execute on that. And then about four to five years ago, pivoted and started, uh, went from being somebody who executed deals in the marketplace to uh, building a platform to support many underlying companies who execute on our platform. So that began our journey building a fintech platform, uh, which is now, uh, as you started to describe, uh, an operating system. So we provide the infrastructure, data, and technology for intermediaries and capital markets. And they, uh, in turn, raise capital, execute M&A transactions, do secondary transactions with a wide range of companies. So we're active across venture, private equity, private credit, real estate, uh, and other private markets. And uh, we're very active on both the placement agent side where we represent asset managers as well as the investment banking. So we represent today over 200 companies, uh, have over 100 investment bankers and placement agents on our platform. We're uh, raising over a billion annually and happy to dive into more details. Nice. So the problem, so many businesses start because you recognize that there's a problem. You say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be the solution. Was that true of you? Absolutely. So uh, as I started to mention earlier, we were, uh, I was in the marketplace directly raising capital. And actually at the same time, we started building a, uh, a platform on the side to support other uh, investment banks and placement agents that wanted to work with us on deals that we had done. And it, it went from a side business to seeing that there was a really unmet need. And um, all of these groups, and they're really entrepreneurial groups, let's say mainly teams of one to 10 people, uh, they were out in the marketplace. And I saw uh, that we could provide a better infrastructure. So compliance, legal, due diligence, finance, operations, a better tech stack. We saw all of the people in the marketplace were attempting to build very CRMs and um, glue together databases that really weren't that uh, that that scaled, and also from a data perspective, that all of the people that we were interfacing with had incredible insights into various investors, but 
if we could bring it all together in an open source data model that we could really unlock all kinds of value. Um, and the other insight we had was that uh, we had originally started our platform largely to actually collaborate with people. So we would originate deals and see that there was an opportunity to expand our distribution or uh, sometimes our origination capabilities by bringing in other companies. And we saw that the one of the biggest demands in the marketplace was to collaborate with other people. And so we decided to go all in on one vision and to build it. So we back in 2019, we had about 15 people on our platform. We scaled to 100 today and looking to go to 200 uh, by next year. So it's it's kind of just been a never-ending journey of building it. And, and it didn't really come together initially as, as clear as it is today, which today is now, it's really obvious to me that it's an integrated operating system. So the idea is that if you're an intermediary in the market, we're building the entire infrastructure, tech data, everything around you. So you, from the minute you log in, from the minute you log out, you're running on our kind of core tech stack and everything that's involved in that. What is an example of an intermediary in the market? All right. So let's keep it simple. So let's just say uh, an investment banker. So let's say, and everything we're doing is in private market. So as an example, say you have a series B company, technology company that wants to go raise a $25 million round and uh, that they would be hired by that company uh, to go execute on that deal. Or they could be helping a company sell itself or helping a company go execute on buy side transactions. Or you could have an investor who owns a stake in a company and wants to sell it to another investor as a secondary transaction. Um, so that's more on the investment banking side. And on the placement agent side, let's say you have a $500 million private equity fund that wants to grow to a billion dollar private equity fund. People on our platform would help them scale up. So they would help them go interface with those family offices, pensions, endowments, et cetera, to go build an institutional capital base. So I am that person who's at 500 million. I'm looking to double. I wake up in the morning. I, instead of going and looking at all these different programs, I'm coming to uh, Stonehaven. I'd log in and that's giving me everything that I need to conduct my business, to grow it, to manage it, to stay in compliance. So think of it actually this way. Our, everything we've built is around the intermediaries. So in this example, it's really our, the, an affiliate. That's what we call one of these investment bankers or placement agents on our platform. So it's an affiliate who is in the market. They're interfacing with this private equity firm saying, hey, we can help you go execute on your capital raise. And then they, in turn, leverage our entire platform from everything from sourcing the deal to uh, contracting, due diligence, deal structuring, identifying which investors they want to go pursue, um, running all of their pipeline activity, transaction data, and then collaborating. And then they might say, okay, I might be able to execute on half of this raise or some portion of it. How can I increase the odds of success by bringing in other firms operating on the platform to go help them execute? So they can identify who those parties are, um, and then all the workflows to go execute on collaboration, which we can, we probably don't have the time to get into all of that, but a lot of those kind of workflows. So we're essentially a platform to help the intermediary help their client. Got it. Nice. Okay. And as you've been 
iterating, improving, changing, evolving. Here we are in 2023. Is this an easier marketplace? Is it is it more difficult than it's ever been? So this is, uh, I think the economy is actually still relatively strong right now, surprisingly strong. Labor markets will are showing that. But I think a lot of parts of the capital markets are breaking right now or under really incredible stress, whether that's the venture market, the real estate market, um, all, all types of markets right now are, are pretty challenged. Um, and I think what that's, what that's causing is a flow through effect where the amount of funding going to early and mid-stage companies is landing them in an environment of the haves and have nots. So I think you're still seeing the news headlines of about 10% of companies that are winning great rounds, uh, doing really well. And then there's this huge wall where at the start of this year, about 75% of venture-backed businesses had less than a year of runway in their balance sheet. And so they either could stick their hand in the sand and not live in the reality that we're in right now, or they had a lot of a few difficult choices, which is really cut burn, um, innovate, uh, although it's harder, everyone's always trying to innovate. Uh, so cut burn um, or sell themselves or do other things. And so I think it's been an environment where the level of hustle that people need to, to demonstrate to execute in today's environment has just gone up. And I think it's also caused a lot of firms in today's environment to focus narrower and cut fat and think about what's the fastest path to profitability in the, in the case they aren't profitable. Or in the cases of uh, other markets, like say, for example, real estate, I think it's just stopping a lot of the deal volume out there and causing people to focus more on the micro of what are the, the smaller things people can be doing to increase revenue, cut costs, be more innovative. Um, and I think it's actually a healthy environment. It's it's kind of the winter of capital markets right now. And I think if you embrace capitalism, you have to understand that this is part of the innovation cycle. And out of this comes spring. Uh, um, but we're, we're kind of still, um, it feels like the dark before dawn from a capital markets perspective. And I don't even think we're, we're through it yet. I think we still have probably 12 months more of, of, of a challenging operating environment for entrepreneurs. And so we're, we're a very entrepreneurial company ourselves, a bootstrap business that basically supports a hundred plus people that are also all entrepreneurs who then raise capital and execute for small and medium-sized entrepreneurial businesses. So we, our entire ecosystem is this entrepreneurial environment. And so we're coming to work every day and, and in the trenches really trying to help everyone execute at their, their best game. So you've been at this um, since I think you said 2003? Correct. Or, well, 2001 actually for 2001, 23 years. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So does this, does it feel the same as it's always been or does it feel like there's outside influences like like legislation and politics and monetary policy that is making making things different you know i think it's it's actually amazing how much the the, the rate environment has really flowed through into everything and so um we were in an environment of an incredible tidal wave of of liquidity uh, coming out of COVID that really wasn't a natural environment. And now we're kind of facing the pullback of that liquidity and implications of that. And so I think it's uh, it's it's a very difficult operating environment. We're still growing at approximately 50% annually right now. 
And so we're we're doing everything we can to to really drive in this environment. But I think in a in a more baseline normalized environment, not even a 2020, 2021, 20 early 22 environment, but in a more normalized environment, I think it'd be much, much easier to grow right now. Um, but it's not so much legislation. It's uh it is the Fed, I think is part of it. But I think it's also the macro environment. I think investors right now are really cautious about the environment. They're they're confused on trends. On one hand, you see kind of the leadership at the top of technology right now booming. NASDAQ's up big this year. But um, you'll see things like, for example, the market cap of Apple is greater than the entire Russell 2000, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you're in an environment where, yeah, some of these companies who are in the headlines um, are killing it. But at the same time, uh, the entire Russell 2000 is is struggling. And so in that kind of environment, it's it's you know wide range of of, of outcomes and um this happens though i mean it it we all survived through it and i remember what it was like operating a business through 08 09 and i remember hustling like hell in 2008 and feeling like nothing was happening and then it wasn't until 2009 10 where everything unlocked all at once and it wasn't my work ethic that changed um or i didn't get smarter from one year to the next it was just Sometimes you work really hard, you hustle, you try to be one step ahead of the game. And then when things unlock, a lot of pieces of the puzzle uh, come into play really quickly. So I think that's the attitude you have to have. And a lot of it's staying in the game right now, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs. So taking making sacrifices, you have to make it. And being on the field the next day is the most important thing. Yeah. It's not staying ready. It's it's staying ready, not 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 getting ready. The tide goes out. You're going to see who's actually wearing clothes and who is not. All these different things that we could say. Um, and obviously, you have stayed ready and you consistently work. What are some of the sacrifices that that you see that maybe people aren't willing to make, and therefore they're not going to be a sustainable business? You know, I think in at least in the venture ecosystem, um, there's been such a focus on growth at all costs, and there's been so much capital available, and you were evaluated more based on your growth rate than your ability to actually prove unit economics and really prove profitability. And um, so I think that really has shifted to prove a rapid path to profitability in the venture ecosystem. So that's shifted dramatically, and I think is is causing a lot of people to rethink how they're building and executing on businesses. Um, I think in the uh, in the private equity world, I think that's changed a little bit less. Um, however, I think that with the raising rate environment, the availability of debt has changed the way in which people think about running their businesses. And so M&A um, is less about leveraging up cash flows um, and kind of scaling in that direction. And I think more about operating businesses and I think that's a healthy shift um, to be less finan- less financial engineering, more actual real value creation. So I think that's a healthy kind of evolution. And at the same time, you have everything kind of going on where technology's never been evolving faster. AI is a wave coming in, and I think just AI is I think a, a term for way too many things. At one, you know, obviously it's large language models, um, but a lot of other things are going on in tech that are are pushing innovation so quickly. So I do think there's if we look back in 10 years, people are going to mainly focus on the huge shifts in tech right now and not on 
some shift in the interest rate environment, candidly. So you have to, I think, be focusing on where is the technology shifting. And in our space, a lot of that is going from the millions of manual workflows in capital markets to really streamlining those into technology, UI, and building logic that humans execute into code, and then refining that based on where it breaks, where it could be better, where you can instantly do things. And so, um, you know, how do you take a term sheet that instantly you click a button, it turns it into a contract. That's the kind of thing where if you can do that, you can streamline all kinds of other legal processes that would cost you money or where, where can I use technology to instantly find the best investors or buyers in a narrow subset, not only based on their characteristics, but based on my relationship dynamics with them and other kind of elements or how can I see into my pipeline faster to see where I should focus when I have, you know, hundred plus sales situations, I can start the day focusing on which is the one I focus on today, or how can I tell what's gaining traction, what's not gaining traction. And there's so many of these types of workflows that we're focusing on and trying to just block out the noise and say, Hey, if we continue innovating at a really rapid pace, um, we'll be in a really strong position and keep winning the right talent to our platform, building community. Um, I think this is also just to take another step back from the tech side. One thing that I think a lot of people are, are seeking, especially in this uh, remote work environment, is still remaining connected and, and being really tied in with their community. So we really view that as another part of our value prop is focusing on building human-to-human connection and then facilitating it through tech and workflows and all kinds of ways that we try to build infrastructure around that. And so I think that kind of dual approach of heavy kind of uh, focus on on streamlining and architecting uh, technology, and then the flip side of it, focusing on the human element of it intensely as well, which I think a lot of tech companies don't focus on. It's so much easier to build code than to build community. So that's that's where we're thinking and focusing and um, and it's not just Zoom. Zoom does a lot of that. Uh, I think it's also getting in, in seeing people in real life. And uh, the less people meet every day in the office, the more I think they actually have a desire to meet and spend quality time with people um, on a lower frequency, but higher quality human to human kind of connection. I think that that makes sense. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, who and how can people come into your ecosystem? So best place to find us, two places, our website, stonehaven-llc.com or on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, we're, you can look for Stonehaven. And uh, you can also connect with me, follow me, David Frank on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm heavily engaged there. And we're posting all the time about various uh, technology we're launching, people joining our community, trends we see in capital markets, um, all types of other things in our in our ecosystem. So thanks, George, for the opportunity to come on today. For sure. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show David your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to stonehaven-llc.com and check out the great resources that David has on the site. You can find him on LinkedIn as well, David Frank, and find out if there's an opportunity for you to tap into the great operating system and community that David has curated and cultivated and created and, 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 and all those other things. Thanks again, David. Thanks, George. 
And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.